And I'm excited because we're going to dive into a brand new message today, simply entitled, uh, Not Normal, uh, because how many of you know we're living in a world that's not normal right now, amen? And there's been a lot of talk as uh, you kind of listen to the chatter that's out there on social media and as you kind of interact with people, and everybody's excited about us going back to normal, right? Have y'all heard that? I can't wait till we get back to normal and we start having normal church and normal life and normal this. I don't know if you've realized it, but uh, we're not going back to normal, <laughs> There is no such thing as a normal because normal is always changing, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about today how that as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're called to something higher than just normal. We're called to live a life that is actually not normal, amen? And God is calling us to a not normal kind of life. And so we're going to dive into what does that really look like today and kind of break that down and see some exciting things from the Word of the Lord. So if you're a note taker out there this morning, the first point on our outline is simply this. Today we are living in a new normal, right? Because normal is relevant. How many of y'all know that normal is relevant? Normal is relevant to the culture, the community, and the environment that we are living in. As a matter of fact, our culture, community, environment define our normal. So normal is relevant. What do I mean by that? The word relevant means joined to or connected to. Normal is connected to our community, our culture, and the environment that we're living in. And if you haven't figured it out yet, normal is always changing, right? There's always a new normal. There's always a new normal. And if you just consider, just think about for a minute, two months ago, what did church look like two months ago? <laughs> and then think about what did church look like two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, we were in the parking lot. And then what does the church look like today? It looks like ushers with masks and gloves on. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, there is constantly a new normal. Why? Because normal is constantly changing because normal is connected. It is relevant to the culture you live in. It's relevant to the community and the environment that you're in. And I just thought a couple little funny things this morning I thought might drive home the idea uh, of, of how normal is always relevant to your culture, community, and environment. Uh, let me just show you a picture here of an American bathroom. Anybody uh, see something like that when you go home? Pretty normal. That's a normal bathroom here in America. Well, let me give you one more picture. Look at this next picture. Uh, that's a normal bathroom in Africa. And to be honest with you, uh, most Africans don't have that nice of a bathroom, at least not where I went in Africa. Uh, most of them don't have plumbing inside their house. But I want you to think about something for a second. When you think about what a normal bathroom looks like, you think about that first picture. When the guy in Africa thinks about a normal bathroom, he thinks about that picture. Because normal is relevant. Normal is determined by what your culture, by what your community, and by what your environment defines. And so every day there's new normals. All around the world today there are new normals where people are connecting to what they consider normal. And the truth is, if you went to Africa and you had to use that toilet, you would say, this is not normal, this is poverty. And if the African came to America and had to use your toilet, he'd say, this is not normal, this is luxury. Because normal is relevant to the culture and the community and the environment that you're living in. And normal is always changing. If you don't believe me, it's always changing. Look at this next picture. How many of y'all remember cell phones about 10 years ago? 15 years ago, there wasn't a cell phone. <laughs> or at least not one you could tote in your pocket anyway. I had somebody come up to me after the first service and said, back in the 80s, I had a cell phone. It weighed about 15 pounds. It was in this big old bag, and I used to tote it around. Anybody remember those bag phones, I think they called them? So 
Ten years ago, that was a normal cell phone. And if you had one of those little Nokia, y'all, anybody had one of the Nokia phones? That was my first little Nokia, that second one on the left there. That was my first cell phone. Me and Kelly, we were like, woohoo, we're fancy. You know, that was so cool, right? That was, that was top of the notch. We were so excited. We had a cell phone. It was amazing. And then look at this next picture. So cell phones today, cell phones today, right? You got, you got the world in your pocket. True statement, true statement. There is more technology in your cell phone than was required to put the first person on the moon. More technology in your cell phone that you have in your pocket right now or in your hand than was required to put the first person on the moon. Pastor Keith, why are you even talking about this? Because I want you to understand normal always changes. What was normal 10 years ago, what was normal two weeks ago, what will be normal in 10 months is always changing. We live in a world where normal is relevant. It is relevant. It is connected to the culture, the community, and the environment that you're living in in that moment. But God has called us to something bigger. Amen? God has called us to something bigger. Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this. So as Christians, we are not called to a new normal. We are called to a new kingdom. We are called to a new kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is not normal. How many of y'all know the kingdom of God is not normal? Right? It is, it is not normal that when the world is in fear, you're in faith. That's not normal. It's not normal that when the world is hoarding, you're actually giving. That's not normal. Right? We, we raised over $61,000 during the pandemic to go toward finishing paving our parking lot. How many of you know when the world is pulling back, Christians are pushing in? That's not normal, right? It's not normal that when the world is walking around fearing death, we can face death with confidence and boldness, and we can minister life in the midst of death because we have an eternal hope. That's not normal. And what's exciting about living this not normal new kingdom, not a new normal, but a new kingdom life, is that all of a sudden it connects you to something that makes you shine as a light in the darkness. And I just want to say to you today, if we are not shining, if the church is not a light of hope in the darkness, then we're not doing our job. If we're not creating a place through our lives, and let me just say that, that's really important. We have to create a place, not in a building we call church. We have to create a place in our daily lives that displays the light of Christ that gives hope to a broken world. Because I understand something. When people are looking at the church, they're not looking at the building. <laughs> they might think about the building when they think about church, but when people talk about the church is full of hypocrites, you know what they're talking about? People. You know why? Because when people think about the church, they think about Christians. You and I are called to be the light of the world. And if we're not being a light in the midst of darkness, if we're not giving hope in the midst of hopelessness, then we're not doing our jobs. And what we're going to see today is that we can live a not normal life because we are, part in not, we are part not of a new normal, but a new kingdom that gives us the strength and the grace and really the stability to live a life that shines the light of Christ in a world of darkness. So people can find hope when they need it the most. Amen? So look with me in John chapter 3. Very familiar scripture. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is asking Jesus, what do I have to do to have this eternal life that you're talking about? And look what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. 
that unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And then in Luke 17, verse 21, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's talking about the kingdom of God coming. And he says, when the kingdom of God comes, it's not going to come visibly for you to see. So look what he says. He says, you're not going to be able to say, lo, it's over here, or lo, it's over there. But look what he says. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So I want you to recognize something. When Jesus was asked about eternal life and asked about how do I have the kind of life that God wants me to have, Jesus said it's all about the kingdom. you got to see the kingdom. you got to enter the kingdom. And you've got to receive the kingdom because you've got to be born again. And how many of you recognize today that when we get born again, the kingdom of God is within us? The Holy Spirit brings the kingdom of God into your life. So what is the kingdom of God? Let me give you a real simple definition. The word kingdom can be described this way, as the king's domain. It's his territory. It's his property. It's what he owns. And we say this at Liberty Church a lot. When you give Jesus lordship of your life, what you're really doing is you're giving Jesus ownership of your life. How many know he can't be lord of all if he don't own it all? And so it means to have domain, but it also means to have dominion. The kingdom of God within you means that we are now the property of God, but we also have the dominion of God. God rules and reigns through us. Do you know how God advances the kingdom in the earth through you? Think about that. How does God advance his kingdom in the earth? Through Christians. Through Christians. You are the kingdom advancer. You are the person that God uses. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. And have you ever, I love these testimonies. Have you ever heard a testimony where somebody says, I was the first person in our family to get saved? You ever heard one of those testimonies? I love those testimonies. You know why I love them? Because what's exciting is you watch, listen, you watch that one person says, I was the first person in my family to get saved. And now three generations later, everybody's saved and serving God. How in the world, think about it, how in the world did a family lineage that had no Christians in it, no kingdom of God in it, no light in it, no hope in it, no eternity in it, how did a lineage of people all of a sudden go from being apart from God without God to now being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and serving God? You know how? One person got filled with the kingdom. One person got born again, and all of a sudden God began to take over that family through that one person's life. And all of a sudden, that one person got saved, and then their spouse gets saved, and then their kids get saved, and then their grandkids get saved, and then their great-grandkids get saved. And before you know it, they got preachers, and they got pastors, and they got leaders, and they got Sunday school teachers, and they got small group leaders, and they got presidents and senators and congressmen that are now shaking the nation for the glory of God, all because one person got born again. Why? Because it is the kingdom of God within you. Jesus said it's all about the kingdom. You got to enter the kingdom, you got to see the kingdom, and you got to experience the kingdom from within because that's how God takes over. Amen? He takes over from within. And all it takes is one person, one person to get born again. And the Holy Spirit brings, the indwelling presence of God brings the kingdom of God, his domain and dominion into our hearts and into our lives. So look at that next point. So the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. 
It is upside down and backwards because it is static. The word static literally means unchanging. It is fixed. The kingdom of God is static. It is fixed. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. It is unchangeable. Listen to the rest of the statement. The kingdom is God's eternal culture, community, and environment. The kingdom is God's eternal culture, his eternal community, and his eternal environment. It is upside down and backwards because the kingdom of God doesn't change. Think about this. We live in an ever-changing world. But we serve an unchanging God. We just said two months ago normal is no longer normal. Two months from now what is today normal won't be normal. We live in an ever-changing world. And the key, I want you to hear this, the key to changing an ever-changing world is you got to be connected to an unchanging kingdom. The key to changing an ever-changing world is you have to be connected to an unchanging kingdom. And the kingdom of God is static. It does not change. Now look at 1 Corinthians 15 because this is huge. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He's writing to this New Testament believers, and this is what he says. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want you to understand something. When we start to live from within, when we start to live by a new kingdom, Instead of living by a new normal, if you live your life by the new normal, your life's always going to be changing. You're going to live a roller coaster. Have y'all noticed that? If you're going to live by the new normal, your life's always going to be changing. And there's definitely external change that comes to all of us. None of us are exempt from that external change. But if you begin to live your life from within, if you begin to live from the kingdom of God that is within you, the king's domain and dominion that's in your heart and your life through the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you can live an unshakable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord kind of life. And in a world that's always changing, we need some unchangeable Christians. We need some steady people. I want you to think about the steady people you know. I mean, I love steady people. I love the people that come hell or high water. They're still believing. They're still serving. They're still loving. They're still giving. They're still sacrificing. They're still serving God. I love those kind of people, don't you? Man, those are the kind of people that shake the nations of the world. Those are the kind of people that turn people's lives upside down for the glory of God. Those are the kind of people that God uses to influence and impact the world in which we're living. God is calling us. Think about what Paul said. How in the world could the Apostle Paul speak to this New Testament church? And think about this. When he was writing, the New Testament church was just birthed. It was coming into existence. It was stepping into maturity. And there was real persecution. I want you to hear this. When Paul was writing these letters, there was real persecution. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. Okay? He was in prison. So Paul was writing to a church in a culture that would kill you for being a Christian, that would imprison you for being a Christian, that would saw you in half, crucify you upside down, and they might even skin you alive because you named the name of Jesus. Paul was writing to believers living in that kind of culture, and Paul says this, be unshakable, be unmovable, and always abound in the work of the Lord. Keep on living, keep on serving, keep on giving, keep on doing what you've been doing. Why? Because it is worth it because we're living by a kingdom that doesn't shake. And think about that. Think about 
the culture they were living in, and what Paul challenges them to do. How in the world could he ask them to be unshakable and unmovable and continue to serve God when doing those things was literally costing them their lives? He could do it because they were connected to the kingdom. I'm just going to be honest with you. Through this little pandemic, I've heard a lot of Christians complain. Y'all ever heard any complaining coming? I've heard a whole lot of Christians complaining. And complaining about hard it is. And I can't play. I can't wait till we get back to church. And I can't wait till I can go eat at my favorite restaurant. I can't wait till we can go to the movies again. And the Lord help us, Jesus. I mean, are we even gonna have football? Because I mean, this is hard. I mean, this pan, this thing is hard. And I hear that and I almost want to throw up. Because Paul is writing to people that are being crucified, imprisoned, skinned alive, and cut in two because they name the name of Jesus. And in the midst of that culture, you know what Paul says? He doesn't say run and hide. He doesn't say back down. He doesn't say don't tell anybody you're a Christian. In the midst of that culture, Paul says, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be unmovable. And I want you to continue to abound. Keep doing what you've been doing. Keep serving. Keep living. Keep loving other people. How could he do that? Because they were connected to a kingdom that was unshakable. The kingdom of God is static. It does not change. And when you get connected to his kingdom, all of a sudden it produces, when you start living from within instead of without, it produces a steadfast life that empowers you to shine and stand out and stand up for Christ. Amen? So look at that next point. So it is the kingdom of God that empowers us it is the kingdom of God within us that empowers us to show others the goodness of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the apostle Peter here is addressing the, the believers, and he, he makes a statement in verse 8. He talks about those that have turned away from God and those who have rejected God. And then in verse 9, he says, but you're not like that. But you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, you are a holy nation, God's own, very own possession. And as a result, listen to that, as a result... As a result of being chosen, as a result of being royal, as a result of being holy, as a result of that, as a result of the kingdom of God that's within you, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so what I want us to see today, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, Keith, I want you to break down the kingdom. And so we're going to do something today. We're going to talk about what does the culture of the kingdom of God look like? What does, what does the community of the kingdom of God look like? And what does the environment of God's kingdom look like based on 1 Peter 2.9? And I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and premise this by saying, it is impossible for me in three bullet points to explain the wholeness of the culture, kingdom, and culture, community, environment of God, okay? So y'all realize I'm not giving you a big picture. I'm going to give you a little nugget today based off one scripture here that is consistent throughout the Word of God, but I'm going to give you a little snapshot today of the culture of the kingdom of God, the community in the kingdom of God, and the environment of God's kingdom. Because here's the key, when you start living from the kingdom, and you start living out of a kingdom culture, a kingdom community, and a kingdom environment, you start standing out for God. Because all of a sudden, you're not normal. Hmm. 
You're steady. You're faithful. You're consistent. You're integrous. You're honorable. You're loving. You're generous. You're sacrificial. You're serving. You're standing out. You're merciful. You're forgiving. You're kind, right? When all the world is hoarding, you're giving. When all the world is running, you're standing firm for God. Because we're not called to a new normal. We're called to a new kingdom that's not normal. Amen. So let's break down a couple thoughts here about the culture, the community, and environment of the kingdom. Everybody with me? Y'all good today? All right. Y'all are a little quiet out there. I could hear you be quiet online. Y'all shout out a little bit. Amen. All right. So let's talk about the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is a culture of adoption. It's a culture of adoption. Peter said we are chosen. We are chosen people. We are accepted. We are adopted. And we are loved. The kingdom of God is a culture of adoption. I want you to hear this today. It is a culture of adoption. There are thousands, probably millions, hear me, there are thousands, probably millions of unplanned pregnancies in the world, right? There are thousands, maybe even millions of unplanned pregnancies in the world. But there has never been one unplanned adoption. Millions of unplanned pregnancies, but not one unplanned adoption. Because adoption happens on purpose. When you're adopted, you're chosen. When you're adopted, there's a process. When you're adopted, there's a price. When you're adopted, there's a plan. There's never been one unplanned adoption. Thousands, millions unplanned pregnancies, but not one person has ever been adopted by accident. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God is a culture of adoption. It's a culture of adoption that says you're chosen, you're accepted, you're loved. And I want you to hear me today because this is huge. We live in a world, our world lives under a spirit of rejection. Our world lives under a spirit of rejection. And what I mean by that is simply this. Because our world lives under a spirit of rejection, people are constantly looking for applause and approval so they feel loved. Applause and approval so they feel loved. And if you're living under a spirit of rejection, then you only feel loved when somebody's applauding you or somebody's approving you or somebody's affirming you or somebody's patting you on the back or somebody's encouraging you or sending you that good little thing or they liked you on social media or they shared you on their Facebook. Those are the only ways you feel loved. And here's the realization. If you live your life under that spirit of rejection, you'll never be a light in the darkness. I want you to think about for just a second, don't look at anybody here today, but I want you to think about the people that we all know. We all know people that have went from one bad relationship to another 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 bad relationship. Right? If we were going to sing a country song, they were looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Okay? And you know what all, you know what all those people, all those people have one thing in common. Here's the one thing they have in common. They don't know they're loved. They don't know they're chosen. They don't know they're accepted. They don't know that God has already paid the price to adopt them into the family. They don't know that. 
And because they don't know they're loved, they look for love. Because they don't know they're loved, they look for affirmation. Because they don't know they're loved, they look for all the applause of people. Because that's the only time they feel loved. And if you live under that spirit of rejection, you're going to constantly find yourself in broken places with a broken heart and leaving a wake of devastation behind your life. But the moment you step into the culture of the kingdom and you realize, I'm adopted, I'm chosen, I'm loved, I'm accepted, I matter, I belong here. I want to tell you something. You belong in the kingdom of God. Jesus paid the price for your adoption on purpose. He knew what he was getting before he got you, and he chose you anyway. Amen. And this is a culture of adoption that says you are loved and accepted. And when you start living out of that, you know what happens? It liberates you. When you start living from within that culture of adoption, you're not looking for love, applause, and you're not looking for acceptance. So guess what? Now you're free to serve, you're free to live, and you're free to give your life to other people with no strings attached. It's the funnest thing in the world to love people with no strings attached. It's so much fun. I can just love you, and if you love me back, that's wonderful. If you don't love me back, that's wonderful. If you bless me, that's wonderful. If you curse me, that's wonderful. Why? Because when you love out of that place of acceptance and adoption, all of a sudden you're not looking for approval or even any kind of reciprocation from what you're giving. You're loving because you've been loved. And because you've been loved, now you can love freely with no strings attached. Let me give you a couple scriptures real quick. John chapter 8, this is so good. Jesus is speaking. He says, and I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And a slave does not, a slave is not a permanent member. Look at this wordage. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And Galatians 4, 7, the apostle Paul says, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, if you sin, you're a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide forever, but a son has a permanent place in the family, and who the son sets free is free indeed. So I want you to think about this for a second. A slave can act like a son, and a son can act like a slave. Right? We've all seen that. A slave can act like a son, and a son can act like a slave. But at the end of the day, a slave is a slave, and a son is a son. And the only thing that distinguishes them, I want you to hear that, the only thing that distinguishes between a slave and a son is their relationship to the father. That's it. The only thing that distinguishes between a slave and a son is their relationship with the father. And if you serve God out of a slave mentality... You're going to live the rest of your Christian life trying to earn the favor of God. If you serve God out of a son mentality, you're going to walk in the favor of God and release his favor on the people that you encounter in your life. Now, let me give you a simple thought. You can go home and chew on this. Have you ever thought about how Jesus really frees us from slavery to sin? I'm going to make it really simple and you can chew on it. Take it home. Jesus frees us from slavery to sin. Really simple by adopting us as sons. And the moment I become a son, guess what? I'm no longer a slave. Because it's not my performance, it's now my position to the Father that determines who I am. And a son abides forever. And when you start living out of sonship and daughtership, which is that spirit of adoption, you begin to live 
this unshakable life. Amen? Now look at the next part. So let's talk about the community of the kingdom. The community of the kingdom is a community of royalty. We are a royal priesthood. We are ministers and ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to jump down to verse 20. The Bible says, so we are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal through us. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And I want to read Galatians 4, 7 again. Therefore, you no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. So we live in a community of royalty. We are all ministers and ambassadors of the gospel. Every one of us. There are, there are no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom. So, so we all are valuable and we all are significant. And here's what I want you to see about this community of royalty. We have power and we have authority because we're royalty. Hey, you're an heir. You're not just a son and a daughter, but you're an heir and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You are royal. The royal blood of Jesus now flows through your blood, through your veins. And we are a royal priesthood set apart as ministers and ambassadors, representatives of God. And you are fully equipped to live the life God has called you to live. So when you come into the community of faith, when you come into the community of the kingdom, guess what happens? You come into a place where there are no peasants and there are no favorites. We're all royal. We're all royal. Royal blood. We are all ambassadors and ministers. Do we have different roles and responsibilities? Absolutely. Do we have different gifts and callings? Absolutely. But we all have power and authority to live the life God has called us to live because we're royalty. And we can all come together in a community of royalty that says, you know what? I don't have to live in insecurity. I meet so many insecure Christians that struggle with doubt. Well, I just, Pastor Keith, I just don't know if God could ever really use me. I want to tell you something. You have been adopted into a royal community where there is power and authority, not because of anything you've done, but because of who he is. And this is a community where we're all called to minister and serve God together. No big eyes and little use. Different roles, different responsibilities, but we all have equal value because we're all royal. Amen? Royal. And when you begin to live out of that royalty... I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about pride and arrogance. The world operates out of pride and arrogance. I'm talking about boldness and confidence. I, many of you have met Pastor Keith Tusi. He's a part of NRP a leadership team. He's, head, he's actually now the, uh, kind of the, the leader of NRP. He stepped into Brother Rod's role. And just an amazing man. Pastor Keith Tusi has been locked up more times than I can count for preaching the gospel. And he's been in prison, literally locked up in jail around the world. And one of the things I love about Pastor Keith Tusi is he knows who he is in Christ. And when he steps into a room, it doesn't matter if there's a judge, if there's a lawyer, if there's a senator, if there's a congressman, it doesn't matter. When he walks into a room, he takes over. He takes over the room, automatically takes over the room, not because he's prideful and he's arrogant, but because he is bold and he is confident, and he knows who he is in Christ. And you know what? We have so many Christians cowering back from people. Insecurity, doubt, and worry robbing them of the ability to be bold and confident. Not arrogant, not prideful, not foolish. Bold and confident. And that comes from knowing who you are. We are a royal community. And you're somebody, amen? Last point, look at this with me. 
an environment of holiness. So the kingdom of God is an environment of holiness. We are a holy people. We are set apart. That's what the word holy means. It means to be set apart. We are set apart to display and declare the goodness of God. Now, when we say holiness, a lot of times we automatically think holiness and we equate holiness to sinlessness. Well, if I'm holy, I don't sin. Well, let me just give you a a clue today. Uh, Before you got saved, you sinned. Anybody agree with that? And since you've been saved, you've sinned. (laughs) So go ahead and get over yourself. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So if if the Lord told you to do something and you didn't do it, you sinned. And we've all done it, right? We've all missed the mark. We've gotten our flesh, and we've missed it. So before you were saved, you sinned. Since you've been saved, you've sinned. The word holy is not about being sinless. The whole word holy is about being separated or set apart for God. And here's the good news. We have been set apart. We are in an environment of holiness where we have been set apart to declare and display the goodness of God. See, we don't have to declare the judgment of God or the wrath of God because Jesus bore that. Now, we can tell people there's a real hell, but let me tell you something. When you tell people about hell, it's even good news. You know why? Because every time you tell somebody that if you reject Christ, you're going to hell, here's the good news. You don't have to go to hell. Amen? How many know you don't have to go to hell? You can be saved. You can be set free. You can be delivered. And we can even tell people they're going to hell, and it's still good news if we tell the whole story because the whole story is Jesus died, so you don't have to go to hell. Amen? And so we have been set apart. We brought into this environment that is holy. It is holy because we're living in a world, a kingdom that is intended to declare how good God is. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Do you not know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's not the fear of hell. It's not the fear of judgment. It's not the fear of God. It is the goodness of God that causes people to change their minds. And you know why they need to change their minds? Because most people believe God's mad at them anyway. And he's out to get them. I want to tell you something. He's out to save you and deliver you and redeem you. Amen? And so we're called into this kingdom environment. And here's the kingdom environment. It's holiness. Not holiness in the sense that we never sin, but holiness in the sense that we have been set apart to declare the goodness of God. And and the Holy Spirit said that, said this to me this week. He said, Keith, he said, think about how much fun that is. Think about how much fun that is. When we talk about holiness, we don't automatically think fun. But he said, think about the environment of holiness, what that really means. You have been set apart to declare the goodness of God. And then he said, think about how fun that is. And so I just begin to think through it. So every day, my job, my job is not to go to work and scold and rebuke and criticize all the heathens that I work with. That's not my job. My job is not to go to work and tell people how bad they are. That's not my job. My job is not to go to work and convict people of their sorry, sinful habits and conditions. That's not my job. My job is to go to work every day and to come home every day and to go to Walmart every day and to go wherever I can go every day and display through my life and declare through my words and my actions the goodness of God. That's my job. That's my job, to declare how good He is. And the Lord just said, Keith, think how much fun you can be having. 
Every day you get to go to work and tell people how good God is. Every day you get to come home and display the goodness of God to your family. Every day you get on social media and you get to display and declare the goodness of a holy God. How good He is. And how fun that is. That's the environment of the kingdom. It's not this religious, sour-faced, long-faced Christianity that says, oh, we've got to be holy. No, it's let's, let's have some fun and tell the world how good God is. He is good. So let's just bow our heads for a second. If you're watching online, if you're part of our online campus, go ahead and just bow your heads right where you're at. Unless you're driving down the road, keep your eyes wide open. Amen. But I want you to just listen to me for a second. I want to challenge you. If you're a Christian, I realize most of us here today are Christians. Many of you watching today are Christians. And you know the kingdom of God is within you. But I want to challenge you with something right now. I want to challenge you to do some business because here's what I've recognized in my own life. Sometimes I drift. I drift. I stop, I stop living from within, and I start living from without. I, start, I stop living from the kingdom of God that's within me, which is a culture of adoption a community of royalty, an environment of holiness, and I start allowing the world to dictate how I live my life. And maybe something was said today, I believe the Holy Spirit just put a spotlight on something specific, maybe in your life, that maybe you just need to refocus back on the kingdom. I want to live from within, God. I don't want to live from without. I want to live from within. Because I'm not called to a new normal, I'm called to a new kingdom. And that new kingdom is not normal. So if that's you as a Christian, I want you just to do some business right now with the Lord and just check yourself this morning and refocus your heart on the kingdom. If you're here today, maybe you're in the auditorium, maybe you're watching online and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never been born again. I've never entered the kingdom of God. And I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to do that today. Well, if you want to do that today, I, I want to just give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here today in the sanctuary and you want to pray and accept Jesus as Lord of your life, you want to give him ownership, then I want to ask you to just do something very simple. Just stand to your feet right now. Just stand up all over this building this morning. If you're online watching me, maybe you could just stand right there in your living room. Hey, I'm making a real decision. I'm, I'm going to draw a line in the sand today. I, I'm going to accept Christ. And if that's you, I just want to pray this prayer together. Let's just pray it together. Let's pray it out loud, all of you women today. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and be Lord of my life. I receive the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.